Welcome to Married to the Job, a podcast for partners of emergency services workers and those considering the lifestyle change. This podcast includes stories, opinions, honest chats about what it's like when your partner works in emergency services and the impact of ultimately being married to the job. I'm your host Erin. My husband Matt has been a firefighter since 2016. We've grown our family alongside his career and wow has it been a roller coaster. Let's dive in. Okay, I'm so excited to chat with Crystal, whose husband is a paramedic, and let's just start with you and your story with Harrison, how long he's been a paramedic, how long you've been married. So, Harrison's been a paramedic since COVID started. So, 2020 was when he started, right in the middle of the pandemic, so it's a bit of a baptism by fire, I suppose. Um, and he loves it, loves his job, enjoys it every single day. And yeah, we've been together since, I don't know, that's a hard question. <laughs> I think we've been together since like, I don't know. But he was studying when you met. Yes. Yep. So when we met, he was, I think in his second year of the, um, university degree, which it's a three year course. So yeah, he was like well and truly committed to the idea of it and then yeah so saw him through the whole process of graduating going through all his psych analysis and all of the assessments and then finally getting an offer which was very exciting yeah so obviously it's not a done deal when they do their study no and that's probably one of the really scary parts I think Mm. for a lot of students who do go down paramedicine side of things is that you have to do this course for three years that you're paying money for committing all this time to and at the end you may not get an offer wow so why would someone not get an offer so many reasons there's never enough jobs for the amount of graduates wow and just various things they may not pass on certain aspects of the recruitment stage it may just be situational like they can only take a job in a certain area in victoria and there's no offers there so there's just a lot of reasons yeah um it's a pretty intense like recruitment process yeah to be right honest. so there's a lot of things along the way that could be a bit of a hurdle okay um yeah so let's talk about that because that's something i'd not considered with um your experience with harrison um not knowing where he'd go Yeah, this is honestly probably one of my biggest fears Mm. because when we met, he he actually started university quite late. So I was well and truly Mm. in my professional career. You know, I was the breadwinner. I was well and truly established. Mm. And then there was this fear of, okay, so what actually happens when he gets his offer? Mm. Um, Because if it's not something that we can juggle with my career, am I then going to move for him? And where do you balance that line between whose career matters the most? (laughs) Um, We were just really fortunate that he actually got an offer like around the corner from us, which is pretty rare. Like that was, I definitely wouldn't count on that happening. Mm. It almost actually, when it happened, I think I went into a state of shock because I was so in my mind ready to go, okay, we're going to have to move to the country. That's fine. I can juggle that. that I'll just get a job out Mm. there. Mm. And then when it was, no, we can stay where we are and we can stay with family, um, I, 
actually don't think I could process yeah, that. Wow. It took me like a week to mm. go, oh, okay. <laughs> and everyone's going, oh, she's so happy. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but it's such a drawn out process too. How long is it for paramedicine from, you know, I don't know, getting in to then being assigned where you're working? So, um, when you get, if you get an offer, it's an offer that comes along with location. So right. they'll say, yep, you, you're in, here's an offer for you. And this is where, where, what branch you're assigned to. Right. So you kind of go through the process and you'll, you'll be told, yes, you pass psych. Yes, you pass yep. fitness. Yes, you pass university. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All these, I can't yep. really remember this to be honest. All yep. of these different things. So you'll know that you're in the applicant pool, but you won't know how you were ranked. Yeah. So you may get the first offer or you may get an offer two years later. Um, it can be really... Wow, really? Yeah. One of the positives of COVID was that they really upped the hiring. Right. So it was quicker. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Wow. And I think for families, you know, it's the same with um, firefighting, that process... It is so stressful. And as women particularly who overthink things, it's just such a grueling... You're almost... I remember saying to people, you're in limbo. Mm -hmm. You're just constantly living in limbo because you don't know what's going to happen. Like for Matt, he tried out three times. Mm. So every time you'd wait to hear, like you said, whether they pass physical, whatever the thing was. And between each thing, it's this... Yay, mm-hmm. but there's another hurdle to overcome still, and your life has to keep going, even though it's going to be affected majorly. Yes, definitely. I think like a big thing for us was that we knew we wanted to start a family, and it was a really big decision. Do we just go ahead and figure it out along the way, or do we wait and find out? what location we got, are we going to be near family, because that's going to be a factor Mm. in our decision. Mm. So we did. We actually, we held off and we decided to wait until we got his permanent location. So that's another thing. You get your grad location, you're there for usually 12 months-ish, and then you get your permanent location, which can be completely different. So we couldn't buy a house and we couldn't start a family. We just had to wait. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. Limbo. Yeah. Yeah. And I think obviously for both of us, we've been lucky in a way with, we can wait. Um, but for people, what would be your advice to people who have their um, established life and then they're having a career change um, we've got lots of friends at the moment who, yeah, like the, the dad's a tradie and the mum does her job and the kids go to school. Everything's in the same area. Um, it would be such an adjustment. Yeah, I, I, I struggle to think of what advice I would give mm. because we kind of just held off on everything because mm. we knew that would be too hard to uproot everything. So I guess if I had to give advice, it would be just go into it with the understanding that it's rare that you will get a location where you live or where you really want to be. And if that's something that the family unit is totally cool with, they're on board with you Mm. becoming whatever you want to be and they're all supportive, then that's great. Mm. Because some families, like every family is a different situation. Mm. Some people are like, yeah, we want to leave anyway. 
So it would really depend on the person, but just be aware of the fact that you have very little control <laughs> over where you work. A hundred percent. Um, let's talk more about that. So that whole supporting and the team effort. I think, honestly, my opinion on that is the only way you're going to achieve it is if you are a team and you are all committed to this change of life, this career, um, because even the process of getting in, it's a team effort. Mm, you, you both, your heart, well, from my experience anyway, your heart's in it your soul's in it you (laughs) living and breathing it up and every day up until the point that it's official yeah um and even now we live and breathe it because we have to it is just part of it now so yeah I think my advice would be get on board Mm. and be open to the opportunity of it have faith because it is possible totally it's totally possible Um, but be open to whatever life's going to bring you, you know, because yeah, that was meant to be your part. I mean, it's easier. It's a lot easier for us to sit here and say that because we are the lucky ones that haven't had to do that, I suppose. It's it's hard because I know lots of people myself who who had to move Mm. so far Mm. and were devastated Mm. by it. Um, and that would be really hard. Mm. So I think if you've got the right mindset mm. and when or if that happens, mm. then you can just remain excited that you've got the job. Yes. Um, yes, true. Rather than finally achieving this amazing thing that you or your partner has wanted for mm. ages and you're so invested and just being devastated mm. about it. Um, yeah. yeah, embrace it. Embrace yeah. it and just be ready for whatever comes. Yeah, yeah. Because it can be really worth it. Like yeah, it's awesome. oh, a hundred. Yeah. And have a strategy, I suppose. Like, just because you've been shipped off to Warnable yeah. doesn't mean you're there forever. <laughs> yeah, your life's not over. <laughs> no offence to people in Warnable. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. I've got um, my cousin's partner's just gotten in after, yeah, a gruelling process. And they they were open to it. And so they've bought their house in Ballarat. They're moving to Ballarat. And mm. um, it's really exciting for them. But, yeah, they've had to hold off. Well, they chose to hold off their life until yeah. that decision was made. Um, and, yeah, whereas for us, I, I had a house. Matt and I had a house, I think. Yeah, Matt and I had a house and a kid when he finally got in. And we would have just moved. It would yeah. have just been part of our adventure. Yeah. Um, and thankfully I was in a position that I that was would have been possible. But, yeah, I can understand for people with careers and things, it would be so challenging. Um, let's talk more about that support aspect of it. Um, what do you think being the wife of a paramedic... Um, is the most challenging thing to be supportive of? Oh, like what's the hardest to recognise for him and like support him even though it's frustrating me? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. (laughs) I think the hardest thing for me is his sleep. Mm. Like, I don't know if that's what you meant, but that's something that I know I 
need to support yes. you with. Yep. And it's really important, obviously, but it's really hard on us as a family unit, just as a whole. Um, like on me, and we have a fairly young son, so he's only nine months old. Um, and that's, it's really difficult to go, to step back and go, okay, he's had next to no sleep for days on end and is exhausted and yeah, so am I, Mm. (laughs) which that's totally valid Mm. as well. Mm. But just recognizing, um, how badly he needs a proper sleep and having to just be okay with. So how do you do that? So if he needs a proper sleep, what happens? It, he, thankfully, is really good at sleeping through pretty much anything, yeah. which I think this is like across the board a thing with anyone yeah. who works in emergency services. They could sleep through like a tornado. Yeah. They're off to the world. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, I don't really have to take James out of the house yeah. too much. Like we can usually stay home, which is good. Yeah. Um, but it will mean... Okay, I might have parented alone for three or four mm. days and nights, and then he's finally, quote unquote, home on his weekend. Um, but he's actually got to sleep because we just got home at 7 a.m. Um, so it's just another entire day of parenting solo again. Um, and usually dinners and all that kind of fun stuff. So it's just respecting that and just letting him sleep however he needs to. Sometimes, he'll have really like blocky sleep just from the nature of his cycle it's just been so messed up and he might sleep till lunch and get up for an hour and then go back to bed again do you are you clear about that do you plan that out so at least you know okay he's going to be up for lunch at one o'clock so we'll see him then yeah usually so i try to now plan okay he often wakes up like two when after he's finished his night shift so if there's something i really want to do I might leave it until then and hopefully count on the fact that he does wake yeah, up then. Yeah. Um, but I would never plan anything around it because his sleep comes first. Um, and yeah, it's important to balance that, I think, for him. It's so hard because you've also got um, James who's sleep. <laughs> You're um, working around I as know. well. It's gotten a lot easier since James has gone into his own room now because yep. I was sneaking in there putting him in the bathroom. Oh there. wow, really? Yeah, I don't know what we were thinking. Yeah, right. <laughs> um but yeah, it's kind of like I've got to prioritize everyone's sleep a hundred percent yeah and so how did you go when James was a newborn mm-hmm. and um Harrison let's there's one topic of Harrison not being there in those really lonely nights how did you go with that i think i did quite well at the start because i think i was in a bit of a state of shock and just almost like a survival you're not really i wasn't in a space where i could step back and really look at everything and think about wow this is not normal yeah um, had you considered that at the time, when you were pregnant yeah i think when i was pregnant i didn't I don't think I really understood, um, like, just how different it would be from, like, the mums in my mother's group, for mm, example. Yes. Because yep. I yep. was very, you know, Harrison had already been in for a few years, so I was like, oh, well, this is our yes. normal routine. Yep. So I didn't really think too much of it, and it's not until I was, you know, 
a couple months postpartum going to mother's group and I was like wow I am really doing this alone like a lot of the time and it's I this is really different from everyone sitting around me and their experiences with their bub and their mm. night times and their family dinners which we have like once a week <laughs> which I feel like this is so the reason why I wanted to have this conversation because there are so many mothers who feel like we do <laughs> slash did mm-hmm. and yeah it's so hard it's really hard and I do think like I felt like I was searching for it like mm-hmm. I was searching for someone to validate how hard it was and how yeah it wasn't like I was mentally healthy like I didn't have yeah. any kind of um, mental health issue but I was struggling mm. just from the nature of it's it's not an easy lifestyle on the person and on their family mm. um, and unfortunately it doesn't let up it just keeps going and you've got to try and find your feet in there somehow um, so yeah it's really good to be talking about it I think mm. help other people mm navigate those early days especially well yeah the early days but also you know even my last is I'll just call that she is definitely my last (laughs) um (laughs) is seven months and teething and last night I just thought thank god Matt's home tonight because I would be beside myself and so talk me through what do you think's been the hardest night on your own and why was it hard there was, I've got to think when it was, I think it might have been three months ago. So he was probably around six months. Um, and he'd had a bit of, he started developing this viral rash and I was just, it was the first time he'd really had like full on rash and I knew he wasn't well. I was like, oh crap, like here we go. <laughs> but it was okay. And then he was up all night and it was just this moment of how, how am I actually going to survive this night? Because there is no one I can call and nothing I can do. I've just got to like probably commit to the fact that I'm going to be awake and maybe just sit in front of the TV rather than having this 30 minute waking up thing because I feel worse and yeah. just go with the flow yeah. because this is yeah. how it's going to be. Yeah. Um, just embrace just it. Just embrace yeah. it because yeah. it's, it's, it is, you can't stop yes. it. Yes. And he's not coming home anytime <clears throat> soon. So. Can you, do you talk to him um, on his night shift? I can't. It depends how busy yeah. he is. So I can, like, I text him photos and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. this is terrible. Yeah, yeah. And he might, sometimes he might reply straight yeah. away. Sometimes I might not hear from him for four hours. It yeah, really which depends. can be deflating too. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's better off to just not even bother. I know. Yeah, I like we used, yeah, we used to say goodnight to each other. Oh, now, really? not no. anymore. <laughs> like, no. I'm like, I'm just going to bed and he knows I love him and whatever. Yeah, like, no, you yeah. just got to go when, yeah, got to go to bed. And, I definitely do. Yeah. I think sometimes I'll send a goodnight message and... I'll wake up in the morning and see that he hasn't even read it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I feel so loved. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. There was um another time where we woke up. I woke up in the morning and James had croup cough. Mm. Like all of a sudden, just started coughing like that awful sound. Yeah. And I just instantly burst into tears. 
I called Harrison, which I never call mm. him when he's at work. Mm. I always text him. Mm. And he called me back knowing mm. obviously something's wrong. And he was stuck on a job in a hospital. Oh. And he wasn't going to be home for like another four hours. <laughs> it was just like, you know, a lot of other situations, a partner is at work and you can call them and be like, I need you to come home. Yeah. And not always. Yeah. But they can oftentimes yeah. come home. Yeah. Um, and it's very hard to just like come to terms with the fact that it's not very easy for him to leave, especially in the middle of a, of a job and no one's coming to save me. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever go on Facebook groups or any of that stuff in the night to try and feel connected to people? I don't think I did. Mm. I, I definitely like scrolled things, but I think part of my problem is that I knew that no one understood it mm. unless they were also the yeah. partner of yeah. it. Yeah. Do you know any other uh, not really. Wives, like no. only people that I've met like Harrison worked with basically. Yeah. Um and not many of them have children yep. like, cuz we were pretty much the first. So yep. it's just Yeah, right. Like oh, no one gets it. Yes. <laughs> and family don't yeah. get it either though. Oh, uh, no way. No way. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. But they don't get it. No. <laughs> Um, the not understanding the shifts in that, you know, we've had Christmases where Matt's worked a night, Christmas Eve night and then Christmas night night. Mm. So where, so you say that to people and then you rock up to your Christmas lunch and it's all rainbows and butterflies. But the reality for you is that it's not because Mm. your day hasn't been your standard Christmas day. Mm. Um, but no one really cares or understands or thinks to consider that. Um, and they, they're just going about their day. Mm. Um, that's just one example, but, um, you just kind of have to roll with it all. Yeah. I think you can't dwell on a lot of those Mm. things because it's very easy to. And I think if you like for Christmas, you, you still want to enjoy the day Mm. yourself in, whatever way you can um and it's very easy to get like for me anyway it's very easy to get really focused on how unfair it all is yeah um rather than okay well this is what we do have as a family this is what we do get to do as a family unit and it probably looks very different Mm. to a lot of other families Mm. not every year Mm. but some years it's amazing we get like every single main day off yeah we get to do all these fun things and other years I my extended family lives in the country so other years I go away without him and yeah well like we will have Christmas before I leave or something Mm, yeah right um and you just have to be it's flexible isn't it yeah everything with this is you just have to learn to but again I suppose another consideration that people might not even think about is the fact that your the things that you're used to doing and um, the way that you're used to doing it has to change. There's mm-hmm. it's not going to be the same, um, and it is what it is. Um, let's pause there and come back to another episode, mm-hmm. and we'll chat more. 
This podcast was brought to you by me, Erin Burke. Thank you so much for listening. You are welcome to email me at erin at theparentshub.com.au. That is my not-for-profit that I run. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land and I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging.